Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. On the message, and as I really get rolling, I'm going to dive into a story this morning of a ship that took off from Canada in 1913. So this is a long time ago. It was actually a fleet of several ships under the leadership of, and I want to make sure I say this name right, Wilhelmer Stephenson, Wilhelmer Stephenson, and they were out, they were out to explore at the support of the Canadian government and some other uh, folks who were coming alongside this ef- effort. They were looking to explore the Arctic area. They wanted to map out some of the coastlines, uh, see and learn about the islands that were around, and and uh, get a sense of some of the land itself. And it was quite a wide expedition. A lot of money was put into it. A lot of effort was put into it. So Wilhelmer took his crew out, his boats, his ships, I should say, and as they're, as they're out at sea, and it didn't take very long, the ice around their sh- one of their ships started to close in. It started to squeeze together, and it, it was a, a gentle grasp of the ship. So Wilhelmer and several other people from the ship thought they would go out on a hunting excursion, and while they were out hunting, the ship became... Uh, locked fast, it locked firmly in the ice. And for some reason, we don't quite know why this is, Wilhelmer and the hunting crew never returned to that ship. They went to a different ship. They kind of abandoned that original ship that they were part of, and they left the other 25 crew members, including the actual captain of that ship, they left them alone in the ice, and they went on about their way. Well, the captain and the crew of the ship moved all their supplies off of the ship onto this ice flow, and it was a good thing because eventually the ice squeezed together so much that it, it pinched the ship. Crew members had to live, live off of the ice, and it turned into a horrible situation for them. Uh, they had several different, three different groups try to break off from them. Uh, a couple of them tried to just leave and, and start their own thing. They didn't want to be part of the crew anymore. They, they thought they would go off on their own and look for help. They had to share rations. Uh, a number of people, 11 of the 25 people died uh, at that time. It was just an awful ordeal. And they spent just about, not quite, but just about a year in the Arctic before help finally found them. And the captain did survive. And the, the crew members that survived sang the praises of the captain. But their time in the, on the ice flow was a horrible time. It was... Uh, people were stealing from one another. The survivors were stealing food and items, and there was fights and dissensions. And it was a horrible, horrible experience. Wilhelmer um, Stephenson uh, was able to, in fact, actually uh, learn about the area from that trip, but he himself was not well regarded for his actions. And he didn't actually suffer a particular censure from the government or the Canadian leadership at the time. But he was uh, not well thought of by quite a number of people. And there's a strong group, there was a strong group at that time who thought he was just a very poor leader. And they attributed a lot of what happened uh, to his uh, essentially abandoning uh, the crew that was there and, uh, and leaving them onto their, their own accord. So here we are. And I promise I'll get back to, to the, that crew here in a minute. But here we are in this time of this coronavirus, and it's a horrible thing. There's all types of things that are going on, and we know, and a number of uh, folks in our congregations have uh, lost jobs, been laid off, and 
I've heard from several of them. I know that uh, there's concerns about health. We, we are praying for several people right now who are in hospitals or uh, have been checked in hospitals for potential um, COVID-19, um, uh, the virus itself, where, you know, did they in fact have the virus? And, and, and again, right now, there are some people that we know of that are in hospitals. So it's been a very trying time. And I also spoken with several parents uh, who are trying to work from home while they're home teaching their children at home with the schools that are shut down. And that's a different kind of survival, I think. So there's lots going on and it's a, uh, a certainly unique time, but I think we would call it a very, very challenging time. And of course, we know in scriptures that challenging times aren't new. I mean, they're not new to us. There's a natural challenging time in the world. There's spiritual challenging times. And the last time I spoke, we, we talked about seasons and different seasons of life that we enter in. And I'd like to stop for a minute in this challenging time that we're in and, and, and this season that we're in. And I would like to, if you can, for those of you who are here, our last in-person weekend... And, and if you would, if you can remember, actually it was the weekend before then. If you can remember, or maybe it was that weekend. Memory is the first thing to go, they say. I spoke on community and we looked at the Acts 2 community believers and how it exploded from 120 believers. One epic day in Acts 2 exploded from 120. Three, over, about 3,000 people were added that day. Dramatic growth dramatic growth and it was not in good conditions it was in very challenging conditions they didn't have a building to meet in and they didn't have places to go they met at homes they didn't have a budget they didn't have children's ministries they didn't have youth programs or dynamic worship teams uh, the way that a congregation might look today they just had all kinds of challenges. And of course, there were persecution challenges. And later on, we know that there were uh, challenges with, with leaders that were throwing uh, you know, you know, believers into lion's dens and into arenas and the Colosseum and, and these sorts of things. It was a horrible experience, but yet the, the growth ex was exploded. And not just numerically, but the maturity uh, growth really exploded. And it was um, quite a formulative time. And I think about this time that we're in now, and I've got to tell you, I'm very interested to see, I'm very excited to see what the Lord's going to do with us as we come out of this. This is a very pivotal time for us. We can choose to survive or we can choose to grasp onto what the scriptures say and really thrive. And I think how we, posi how we position our minds in this season will help us uh, know how we're going to come out of this season uh, for example, there's some things in the scriptures that talk about thriving. Psalm 92, you know, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. And we have the sense of a palm tree in the desert. How does a palm tree thrive in the desert? Uh, you know, difficult times for sure. Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Proverb 11:28 says, the righteous shall thrive like a green leaf. You know, those green leaves, they hang on in the summer storms and and they, you know, they do what they do and they, they survive in all types of weather. They might experience a summer drought or a summer uh, heavy rain or summer winds and they just hang on and they grow and uh, they do all the things that leaves do. Romans 1.17, and I like this, uh, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. And that expression life is that it's, it's saying, hey, that's living, man. 
And so if we would read it again, we would say, you know, with that in mind, um, the intent of this scripture, it is through faith that righteous person, you know, they're living. And I think it's a really neat way to think of our own life is, you know, in following the Lord. And we know that there's people in the scriptures who have gone through these times, most challenging times, and they, they had to decide, were they going to just survive or were they going to thrive? And if we look in the Bible, we would see lots and lots and lots of people through the whole span of scriptures and everything that they went through that chose to thrive and not just survive. And I, I really believe how we set our minds to thrive in this situation is the key. It's all a battle for our mind. We understand more and more and more as we think on the good things of the Lord and we wait on what the Lord has for us. So where do we start to thrive? How do we thrive? And just just a couple quick points uh, on our thriving, where we start. And the first, and I'll give you a little bit of a backdrop, uh, the, the Jewish people were uh, captives at the time. They were under the leadership of the Assyrian government or under the control of the Assyrian government. And uh, they were allowed to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple and rebuild the city and live there and inhabit the land. And, but the key was they were allowed to rebuild the temple. So <clears throat> uh, there was a time where a number of them were selected to go back and to start to rebuild and to start to get things going again and bring some money. And even the Assyrian king had freed up his money to do this uh, so they go back, and where do you start? Where do you even begin to rebuild a whole city with very little except what you brought with you and what the land around you has? So <clears throat> this is where we kind of dive in. It's a very simple concept, looking at thriving in this land. Uh, we would see in Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 28 uh, through 38 kind of is this passage. And we see the directions for these for these. Uh, early resettlers and the early ones looking to re-thrive their community, the priests were told to build their homes, but build the wall of the city around, build the wall around the city. But, you know, again, that can be a little overwhelming. So the thriving piece comes in. They just built the wall in front of their home. They were just responsible for building the wall in front of their home. And if we think of that in terms of us, we have our world, what we do, if we are just responsible to thrive in the world that we know that is familiar to us, if we just thrive in that world, we're going to be all right. We'll build the wall, so to speak, in front of our homes, in front of our family. We thrive in this place. And it's a good illustration for us. We don't have to worry about building the, the wall or building the thriving area in something that we don't even own. We just manage what we own and we thrive in that. A second area for us to really focus our thriving is Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. It says, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes will be refreshed. A generous man will prosper. Generous, somebody who gives and he who refreshes will be refreshed. If we want to thrive and we don't know where to start, all we have to do is start to care for other people. That's it. I think it doesn't get any more clear than that. The generous will prosper, caring for others. It, if we just look for the people right now in our world, and how do we connect and how do we support, I think we're on to something. I really do. So now we've got, those are two kind of biblical 
foundations for thriving. If we want to know how to do it, we just focus on our world. We focus on what's in front of us, what we can control. We don't worry about what we can't control, right? We focus what we can control. And then we just think of people in this. How do we care about people? There's And the agape sense of caring for people or, you know, properly giving uh, and just being generous with our life toward other people, reaching out. So I, I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this message and praying on this message and stewing on this message. I was thinking that maybe, maybe there's some very tangible ways that I can share for us to thrive in. All right, so we've got the foundation of these two things. And I hope that these things are helpful. You know, it's difficult in this coronavirus time to think of, you know, how do we really thrive? But, but I think I've got some ways that are uh, tangible examples. Maybe it will help you if you haven't already started to think about thriving. These might help you get your kind of your mental juices going, your prayer focus going a little bit. The first, for you encouragers, you exhorters, you some of you have the gift, truly you're very well gifted in encouraging others. You know who you are. Exhorters, exhort. Encouragers, encourage. Over the years, I've heard people say, you know, I'm an encourager, but I, you know, I don't know what to do with that. And it seems like that's not really an interesting gift or an interesting focus uh, for, for people. And so I don't know what to do. Well, I want to tell you, first, I think it's always good to have encouragers in our lives. Um, spiritually and just surviving in life, we need encouragers. But it, if it's not any more clear, this is your time to shine, encouragers. We need you to encourage. Reach out to people and encourage. And reach out to other encouragers because they need to be encouraged. Reach out to people that might be alone. Reach out to people that are in families. Reach out to whoever and just encourage them. I was, re I was talking with somebody earlier in the week and they were saying, well, I don't really uh, know how to encourage with all the technology that's out there. So I would say this. If you are an encourager and you don't know how to do it with all the technology that we have today, just write a letter. Let somebody know you're thinking about them and praying for them. If you are comfortable with technology, great. At the very least, I think we're all pretty comfortable in using the phones, right? Pick up the phone and encourage. We need each other to do this. So that is one tangible example. Another one. You organizers and you administrators, you folks that get things done behind the scenes. Oh, man, do we need it today. I'll give you an easy example of this. Maybe you can help somebody uh, who's less, uh, less comfortable with technology. Maybe you can help that person, even from a distance, learn how to use an online meeting platform like Zoom or, or Google Meet or something like that. Maybe you can get things done for them. Maybe you can work with your group leader, uh, your home group leader, Havara leader, what, uh, whatever phraseology we want to use here. And maybe you can work with that person to coordinate the, an e-group meeting, some sort of online group meeting. Or maybe you can help uh, do other things organizationally or administratively for somebody else uh, right now. If you're going to be in your home and you can access something electronically, this is a great time to organize. Or it's a great time to connect people. Maybe you can write plans to help other people learn how to have online meetings or, or, or any of these types of things. I think it's a wonderful opportunity. Another example of a thriving, I mean, really thriving in this time. Uh, ministry directors, you leaders in ministry, 
Now is your time to prayerfully reevaluate what you're doing with your ministry. You know, when you come back a month from now, or a week from now, or, well, I don't really know what from now is, but when we all come back, what do you want to do differently? This is a good chance to just pause and seek the Lord, consider what you're doing in your ministry, or what you haven't done, or maybe think about what you've always wanted to try in your ministry. It's a good time to refresh, connect with the people in your ministry, and share your thoughts with them, or maybe you can hear on their thoughts of what they've been doing in the ministry that you're leading. Maybe you have an e-meeting of your own, or you have uh, emails that you send out, anything like that. I think this is a great time to do that. I'm trying really hard to do this here myself. For example, we've had uh, a painter come in and finish painting some of our children's classrooms. We've had, uh, I'm working on assembling a library. It's not a big library, but all, all said and done, I suppose we'll have about six bookshelves with books. So when we all come back, there'll be books to use. Uh, we're working on lighting for stage. We've ordered some lighting uh, and we'll get that in and have it hung and uh, it's something that I can just do on a ladder, or, and I know uh, Pastor Mike also, this is an expertise for him, so he'll get up there on a ladder and uh, hang some lighting. So there's bits and pieces that we're trying to do now, so when we come back, we'll hit the ground running. And I'll tell you one thing I really believe, in the future, the live streaming that we've been experimenting with here in these last couple of weeks is going to be uh, expected in the future. We're going to have to, we'll do it not only just from service to service, but we'll have to increase how we do it and do it at a very, very high level of quality and with commitment for the sake of the gospel message and for the sake of sharing with other people. Maybe people can't make it to services. Maybe people are experimenting and just looking to learn about the Lord. So in the future, we've got to really do well with technology. And this has been one of our considerations to address also here in these last couple of weeks. How do we grow with technology for the sake of the gospel? So you ministry leaders, think about that. How do you thrive in this time? How, how does your ministry thrive in this time? Consider how to share faith with somebody. Now, I know, I know we're all at home. Some of you are working essential jobs and maybe you have contact with people uh, at your essential job and you can talk about the Lord. I think that's wonderful. Other people... At home, they're at home, and there's no, you think, how do we share faith? Well, maybe this is a time to just call a relative and just say, you know what? God is bigger than this stuff. I'm not really worried about it, and just tell them why. But think about it. How do we share faith in a time that we can't um, be with people? And there are ways to do it. I'm sure that there are. Think about it. How do we thrive in sharing our faith? Not just survive sharing our faith in a time we can't meet with people. How do we thrive in a time of sharing our faith when we can't meet with people? How do we do it? It's not what we can't do. It's what we can do. People who focus on what we can't do, ah, what a downer. They just survive. Their God is bigger than that. And the promises to us are bigger than just surviving. Another area of considered surviving is consider, or to get us out of surviving to thriving, consider a new routine for your, your quiet time with the Lord. You know, if, you're, if you pray in the morning, um, try praying at night. If you pray at night, try praying in the morning. I know for some of you, if your children are at home, finding quiet time might be a particular challenge right now. But whatever you're doing for your time with the Lord, just between you and the Lord, I encourage you to really think about um, how do you make it go from just the 
typical survivor, the typical what works to really thriving it, really thriving it. And finally, one last example. Um, think about how, going from surviving to thriving in terms of your family or your friends or your children, your spouse. You know, what does that look like? Does that mean just how you listen to them? Is there a new way to listen? Can you turn the TV off? Uh, can you, you know, I don't know, do you target a game night? Do you have, I'm with your family. How about playing chess with somebody over the phone or doing it in front of um, Zoom or Google Meet or whatever? The point is, how do we go from the survival, what always is just surviving, to really thriving? That, that it's, it's so much bigger than just the same old, same old. And even we can we can even now get lulled into a routine of just surviving online. But I don't believe that the Holy Spirit wants us to survive. I think the Holy Spirit wants us also to thrive online and be a strong community, a dynamic community. So earlier I had mentioned the ship with Wilhelmer Stephenson and some of the challenges that they had and how eleven of the twenty five died and. Uh, the infighting and the discouragement and the uh, stealing from one another and just the horrible experience they had. And they were, again, almost a year or about a year where they were stuck in the Arctic before the crews finally came to rescue them. Rescue them. I want to tell you about another ship. This happened in about 1913. So it was just or, or, 1914. I believe it was 1914, just after uh, the other crew was found. There was an expedition, a one-ship expedition led by uh, Ernest Shackleton. He's actually done several expeditions. He's fairly well-known. Shackleton is fairly well-known for being an explorer and, and checking out new territories. Well, Shackleton gets a crew together for his one ship, and he leaves to explore the land of Antarctica. So quite an experience, right, Adam? Uh, Adam, if you don't know, is uh, one of our own who spent... A uh, number of months, uh, nine months, I believe, in Antarctica. Well, Shackleton was going to go there and really map it out with his crew. And he had, uh, you know, the best technology of the time. But again, he was leaving just about the same time the other crew was rescued. So he takes his crew and they hop in a ship. And while they're at sea, they also get stuck in some ice. And they're not all that far. They're about, I think, if I, if memory serves me, they're about 60 miles away from Antarctica at this point, and they, uh, they get stuck in this ice, and just like the other crew with Wilhelmer, they take all their supplies off the ship, and they, they set it in the ice flow, and sure enough, the ice squeezes the ship together, and everything pops apart, and it sinks. So just like the other crew, this crew is stuck in the ice with not a lot of hope. They have got some lifeboats and their supplies, but that's about it. So they have a, a they start this epic quest of their own. How are they going to survive? Will they survive? So they take, uh, after some time on the ice, they decided to take these little lifeboats that they have, load them up to the best they can, and start to sail for land somewhere, because obviously they can't stay on the ice forever. So they started to sail for land, and they it was just a horrible experience. They it did end up finding some land, and they uh, didn't have, there wasn't a lot of food on the land. They had been eating penguins, and uh, whatever else they could happen to find. and uh, But they're on the land, and they, they decided then to go from the land to send an expedition team on in one lifeboat, this, the sturdiest lifeboat they had, to send it to where they thought 
other people were. So they loaded, uh, Shackleton himself went on this boat and several other people went in this boat and they launched it to see this little lifeboat and they uh, hoped for the best. Eventually Shackleton and his crew did in fact find land and they were able to bring some ships. It took several expeditions to try and get to the other fellas on the island. Um, on the third expedition to find the survivors, they did end up finding them almost two years after they left. So a, a full year longer than Wilhelmer. Nobody died. Not one death. Nobody was known for stealing from anybody else. There was no known dissension. There were no supplies taken. They had purposed in their mind, and this was a most amazing thing, they had purposed in their mind to thrive, not just survive their experience. How can they sustain? How do they grow? How do they take the limited resources they have at the time and really grow them together? Shackleton's crew came back a whole year longer in, 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 in sea, so to speak, but so much better off. People didn't faction off on their own. They didn't stop listening to their leader. They just did what they needed to do and they thrived to the best that they could. I'm sure they were sick of penguins. I'm sure they were sick of the island they were on, but they had the mindset to continue to thrive, 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 not just survive, survive, survive. And God's promises are so much bigger than the, than the mindset that Shackleton could offer his people. If they can survive in that, uh, thrive in that, we can thrive in this. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Lord. He is in us. Absolutely, we can thrive. So, <clears throat> I, I, I've got an expression. I've said it, and a number of you have heard me said it. And I believe this now for many years. And it's something that God has laid in my own heart personally. My family, my wife and I have talked about this a lot. Um, and it's, it's moving up the way with the Lord. Always up the way with the Lord. I think there's a call this morning, a reminder call for us this morning to move up the way with Him. Not just stay with Him. Move up the way. Thrive with the Lord. How do we thrive with you, Lord? Lord, how do we find you and really grow in this time? Grow like the green leaf or grow like the palm. Grow like the cedar. In Lebanon, in the scriptures, in Psalm 92, references the cedar, strong, storm surviving. How do we thrive in this? Always up the way with what the Lord has for us. It's exciting to think about. It is not exciting sometimes to be in the troubles that we're in. They are not fun. The health concerns, and there are some significant ones. I do not want to take light in that. The fact that there's a lot of people, not just in our city, but worldwide with all of the problems uh, physical problems and the deaths. There's been, of course, a number of deaths. We've got challenges financially. Lots of homes have been disrupted because of the loss of income. And I have a great deal of concern for, for these families, prayer, prayer concern, I think a healthy concern. So how we care for one another is very, very important. But I believe truly, if we hold on to the idea that we can thrive, we can thrive in how we set our mind to grow through this season, will really show us what we've done when we've come out of this time. We can thrive. So for you, what will you set your mind to? I'd like to pray. Lord, we seek you so much in this time of uncertainty. We, we need what you have to show us. We want to thrive, Lord. We believe that you've called us to, to not just survive, but to thrive. 
So Lord, show us how to thrive. Show us what you would have us take on in our walk with you. We know it's not so much about our economy, but we know it's about our walk with you that we look to thrive in. Help us thrive, Lord. Show us what to do. I pray for encouragement for people who are going through these difficult seasons, people who are looking for things, uh, hope. I pray that they find the hope in you quickly. And we thank you for this wonderful call in our life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, and I would just like to, I'm going to close out my piece with the ironic benediction, and then we'll go into worship again. Please do call each other, and please do pray for each other. We need it, but our mindset, we need a mindset to thrive. Yevarecha Adonai vo'yishmarecha. Ye'eradonai panav eliecha vihunecha. Yosei Adonai panav eliecha v'yaseim lacha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.